From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where we hear from politicians and experts on the issues of the day. Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, is facing extradition to the United States after this was given the green light by the British government. In the US, he would be charged with espionage over WikiLeaks' publication of classified information about America's involvement in the Iraq War. While Assange, who has been in prison since 2019, could be in a US jail for the rest of his life, former American soldier Chelsea Manning, the original leaker, was pardoned by President Obama. The British government's decision together with the election of the Albanese government, has reignited public calls for Australia to do more to try to have Assange freed. For the last nine years, Barrister Greg Barnes has been working pro bono on the campaign to secure the liberty of the Australian citizen. He joins us today. Greg Barnes, the British government has ordered Julian Assange's extradition to the US. He's now going to appeal. Is this appeal considered to have any realistic chance of success? Well, it's a good question, Michelle, because um, in the absence of some new information, probably not. Uh, have It would not have a, a great degree of success, but it will. It, it is going to be a very interesting appeal because two matters have come to light since the court proceedings completed last year uh, and early this year. Those matters are, firstly, that it's now known that the Ecuadorian embassy engaged uh, a security contractor to conduct an espionage, a spying operation on Assange, and particularly in relation to Assange's meetings with his English legal team in the embassy. This was where he uh, was hiding out for some years. This is where he was. He sought asylum in 2012 from the embassy. He was there till 2019. And secondly, the the other issue is, of course, the reporting, I think originally by Yahoo News, of uh, a foiled and, and attempted assassination and kidnapping plot, which was being constructed within the CIA when Mike Pompeo was the director. So those matters are directly relevant, of course, to the issue of extradition and uh, will no doubt be agitated by the English legal team in in appeals. What happens if he loses the case and is sent to America? The, the, The great fear is twofold. Firstly, that he won't get a fair trial. The reason for that is in the Eastern District of Virginia, where he would be tried, there is a very consistent track record of juries convicting people, finding people guilty of uh, offences that relate to leaking material from government or publishing leaked material from government. And there was evidence led about that conviction rate in the extradition proceedings. The second issue is where he would be kept within the US detention system. It is a notoriously tough system. There, In fact, the original reason why the uh, original decision was not to extradite him was because of a fear that he would die if he went to the United States because he'd be placed in a supermax prison. Assurances have been given by lawyers for the US in the English courts now to say that that won't take place. But the difficulty with that is that it's one thing to give assurances to a, an English court. Uh, once he's in the United States, it's out of the UK jurisdiction's hands and there can be no guarantee that he wouldn't be placed in conditions which would put his life in jeopardy. You're a senior advisor to the uh, Assange campaign. What are the main actions that the campaign is taking at the moment? 
Well, I advised the Australian campaign and and worked closely with Julian's father, John Shipton, and his um, brother, Gabriel, and others. The, the, the major issue really is to encourage the Australian government to involve itself in this matter. We've been doing that for a number of years now, not because we are seeking Australia to have a seat at the bar table in the legal proceeding, which of course it can't, but because this is a very political case. Um, it goes to fundamental questions like freedom of the press and freedom of speech. And in recent times, we've certainly been heartened by the approach taken by the new government in relation to the matter and the need for Australia to inject itself into these proceedings with its two closest allies in London and Washington. It's quite interesting, isn't it, that the uh, issue seems to cross party lines in a way because Barnaby Joyce was quite strong on the fact that Assange should be uh, freed. That's correct, Michelle, um, and and also, uh, in fact, you know George Christensen, who was extremely conservative member of Parliament, was also a supporter. As was Jason Falinski, for example, who recently a Liberal member for McKellar. Uh, it, it also attracts the support of some of the new so-called teal candidates, uh, Allegra Spender, Zoe Daniel, and others. And in, and it's an issue that gets um, wide-ranging support in uh, amongst members of the Labor Party. So. It's not so much a party political issue as it is around the perception of what this case really is about. Well, how do you see what this case is really about? We, we see it, and I certainly have always seen it, Michelle, as the work of a publisher and or journalist. And I don't think that issue really matters in whether, whether he's a traditional journalist or not really matters. I think the issue is that there was a release in 2010 and 2011 of material which showed, uh, most notoriously in the video which you can get on YouTube called Collateral Murder, where you see US troops lining up a Reuters journalist and I think a cameraman from Reuters and killing them cold-bloodedly. It revealed war crimes and, and the cover-up of those war crimes committed by the United States. That was clearly in the public interest. So the case has always been about the US seeking to close down uh, that aspect of freedom of speech. The second issue is the extraterritorial reach of the case. What the US is doing here is going after a person who's not and never has been an American citizen, and secondly, has not set foot in the US jurisdiction, but has published material which the US has found embarrassing. And in that sense, using domestic espionage laws to close down or have a chilling effect on freedom of speech, which means which has implications for other journalists and media organisations, and it's one of the major reasons why you have had a lot of journalists and media organisations being very supportive of Assange. Now, the counter argument, of course, by those who want Assange prosecuted is that the publication of that material endangered some lives. What's your reply to that? Well, that thesis was tested in the Chelsea Manning case, Michelle. So Chelsea Manning, of course, was the person who, uh, it is said, provided the materials to Assange. He, of course, had his sentence commuted, I think, after seven years by President Obama. And that proposition uh, was put in that trial uh, and the US uh, failed to get a finding from the court that there had been any endangerment of life. There was a similar uh, summary, I think, done for the Gillard government by the Department of Defence here and the same conclusion drawn. So do you think that the Albanese government is seriously committed to fighting for Assange's uh, freedom or do you think that uh, it's 
somewhat divided or sees it as a, a lesser priority? I think Anthony Albanese himself has been committed for some time now in his public statements and certainly been supportive privately of Assange's position. He's made that clear in a number of statements uh, with a theme really that this has gone long, long enough and he didn't see the point in continuing to pursue it. That statement, of course, has now been reflected by the Foreign Minister Penny Wong and by the Attorney General Mark Dreyfus. You know, Andrew Wilkie, the independent MP for Clark, said the other day that there were divisions in Labor uh, on the issue. I've got no doubt this is, a, this is an issue where you do get divisions. But I do think there has been a stepping up of the rhetoric around this particular case and support for Assange. Whereas the previous government uh, or Liberal governments played a very straight bat in the sense of simply saying he'll get consular access, which is what we do for any Australian, there has been a marked change in rhetoric on the part of Mr Albanese. But also, I think, in his uh, very telling statement that he did not want to pursue this matter through megaphone diplomacy, which we respect because, of course, you're dealing with Australia's closest ally. I think that was a clear indication that he wants to look at this issue. He wants to do something, but he wants to do it in a way uh, that respects the friendship between Australia and the United States. What do you think the chances are of him having any sway with President Biden on this? Well, I think he has some sway. And I think Bob Carr, the former foreign minister, argued this on Monday in the Herald, Sydney Morning Herald and the Age uh, in a piece. That is that, you know, Australia, uh, as you know, Michelle, has become an extraordinarily important ally in the current context of the Asia-Pacific region, and particularly now with the AUKUS uh, grouping uh, in relation to the South Pacific or the Pacific area and, and Chinese influence. There's no stronger ally of the United States and no import, more important partner than Australia. And that gives Australia leverage uh, when it's dealing with a matter like Assange. We saw this, of course, in the David Hicks case almost 20 years ago now, where the Howard government, with a strong relationship with the Bush administration, was able to secure Hicks's release from Guantanamo Bay and, and brought back to Australia. What are the considerations in this for President Biden? Some Democrats, for example, are very against Assange because WikiLeaks published those emails that they say so damaged Hillary Clinton's presidential chances. Are domestic factors or intra-party factors likely to really uh, win the day with the president? Well, I, I, I'm not close enough to US politics, but I think that, firstly, and the issue about the influence of those emails and in that campaign is not something I'm going to enter into. But what I would say is, of course, that he's not on trial for that. The issue is what happened in 2010, 2011. And I think the issue for President Biden is that the vast majority of the US media, particularly the print media, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, etc. Influential members of the print media are supportive of Assange, really on the basis that um, they published some of that material, the WikiLeaks material themselves. And secondly, they see the extraterritorial reach of this particular prosecution as being uh, a fairly dangerous uh, overreach by the US justice system. And so He's got that. He's also got the fact that he's given a number of speeches now talking about democracy and the importance of democratic values as a, a, and pushing back against, for example, Russia and China. 
This is an opportunity, of course, to assert those values by saying that, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of the press are fundamentally important uh, in a democracy and in a democratic world. And so there are certainly plenty of avenues and plenty of reasons why President Biden uh, might deal with this matter. The, The last thing I'd say about it is that, of course, it's not as though Assange has been living a champagne life for the last 10 years. His life has been fairly hellish, and certainly in the last three years in Belmarsh Prison, we've seen a marked deterioration in his physical and mental health, and his partner and and wife, Stella uh, Assange, on Monday on the ABC uh, made that point that uh, he, of course, had suffered a mini-stroke last year. So there is a sort of humanitarian consideration to take into account as well. So just finally, are you optimistic or pessimistic as things stand now? I think, you know, it's fair to say in the Australian context, there's a greater degree of optimism that we may get some resolution. I mean, Australia has stepped in to difficult cases and had success. Kylie Moore Gilbert, who's become a very strong advocate of support for Assange, of course, was rescued from Iran, a very, very difficult exercise on the part of the Australian government and her supporters. As I mentioned earlier, we saw it in the Hicks case. So there's precedent for this. And I think the momentum now is shifting. Even people who haven't been particularly supportive of Assange in the past are now saying, uh, and certainly say to me, and they say publicly, you know, enough's enough. Um, This case has gone on too long. Uh, There are fundamental principles at stake and it's time to end it. Well, we'll hope for some favourable resolution in the coming weeks or months. Greg Barnes, thank you very much for talking with us today. That's all for our podcast. Thank you to my producer, Ellen Duffy. We'll be back with another interview soon, but goodbye for now. Our theme music is by Lee Rosevier. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com.